Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Mama told me son, go and play in the yard. Papa said, go and play, you gotta break your stomach, go and scream real hard. Go play in the yard. Go play in the yard. You gotta burn your stomach. And welcome to Inside the Yard, Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold with you and coming up the one and only Hunter Harvey on the program. Plus, we talked to Orioles broadcaster Kevin Brown for our insider segment. But for the Orioles, as we enter this final week of the regular season, we begin Fan Appreciation Week, Jeff Arnold. So uh, we already are at that time of the regular season. Yeah, it's really amazing to think that we have come this far. And it, it does feel like it's been longer than a 60-game season, honestly. When, when you kind of go and think about it, it's been a – mad dash to the finish line I mean it was it was only seems like the other day where we were doing our first exhibition game and you did one against the Nationals and Mel and I did one against the Nationals at Nationals Park off a monitor and then we we got going a couple days later against the Boston Red Sox and now here we are at the very end and the Orioles have given I think everybody a lot to be excited about the players have stepped up big time you've seen some tremendous stories from Anthony Santander to a lot of the young Offensive prospects first producing, and then some of the young pitching prospects produce as well for the Orioles. Cesar Valdez has been a phenomenal story all year long. There's been so many positives to point to this year for the Orioles and makes us, I think, all really excited for what's coming in 2021. I agree. I think it's been a season that, as far as both the performance and the youth that has gotten here and performed, exceeded any realistic expectations. And I think a lot of fans are starting to see it now that not only I think they understood the concept of the rebuild and the pathway forward, but now you can start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, which is very, very exciting because we're seeing guys get here and, uh, and produce. And, and that's the most exciting thing of all. So uh, let's talk about one of those guys who's gotten here and is producing someone we might see at the back end of the Orioles bullpen for hopefully sometime big Hunter Harvey. Well, joining us right now is the Orioles' flame-throwing reliever, the guy who's easily identifiable by the locks coming down from the back of his hat. Hunter Harvey is with us right now. Hunter, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, let's start with uh, your season so far. Obviously, in the restart, uh, you had to start on the IL and then kind of work your way back from the alternate site in Bowie. How would you assess what you've done so far in the big leagues? Um, uh, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't want to say it's been my best performance yet. You know, we've been getting outs, and that's you know that's all good. But one of my big things is you know I like I like striking guys out, and I uh, just don't have my uh, off speed right now just to really overpower hitters. It's just something we're working on, and you know I think from spring training just stopping and going all year it's just kind of been tough for me to get that stuff consistent and you know I'm trying to figure it out on the fly and uh, get it figured out for the season end so we'll see what happens when you're trying to figure it out on the fly is it just really spending a lot of time in catch play working on it working on it in the bullpen or does it really take just you got to throw the pitches in the game and then eventually you're going to find them yeah, I think that's really what it is. Uh, especially for me, I'm not, I'm not very good at uh, getting that stuff done and catch play and all that. I just, I can't carry the same arm speed that I do in a game. So it's, it's tough to, uh, you know, make it game like on the side. I've never been able to really do that, so it's tough for me to uh, work on stuff. You know, I can kind of get the feel of grips and stuff on the side, but it's, it's never the same as when I, when I tow that rubber, the adrenaline and stuff I get. I just, I can't, I can't replicate that. Hunter, obviously you made a lot of uh, minor league starts and early in your career, I guess that was the direction you and the organization were heading towards, but you've taken off as a reliever. Uh, many believe you're the closer of the future for this team. And Brandon Hyde said the other day that that's where they want to do it. One, for health, but also because it's kind of your makeup. It's in your DNA. It, you look the part. Uh, explain that part of it and just getting the ball in high leverage situations and what that means to you. Um. I love it. Um, I, it's just fun, you know, knowing that you come in in the back end of a game and uh, the game's always on the line. Um, you know, if, if I mess up, it's it's usually going to cost us the game. So it's just knowing that you got to come in, you got to shut this thing down, and you know, you got to help your team get the win. It, I think it's just fun for me. I have, I enjoy kind of having that on that little bit of pressure on me. I just think it's a, uh, I mean, there's there's no other place I can get it. You know, I can't I can't you know, duplicate the feeling I get when I come into the in the game in the eighth inning and it's a one run game or tied or it's, you know, we're up by two. It's just a it's just out of this world the feeling you get. You come in in high leverage situations. Cesar Valdez comes in, in high leverage situations. Even though you and he are completely different styles of pitcher, what can you still learn from a guy like that and apply to what you are doing when you come in for your high leverage spots? Uh, I would, first off, I'd love to throw his dang change up. <laughs> if I could ever figure that thing out, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Cause that thing is uh, it's pretty disgusting. So now, you know, he's just, he's been around for a while. You know, he's got, a, he's played a lot. Of, I think it's the Dominican league where he, he's pretty famous over there. So, I mean, you know, he's just, He's, you would think he's been here for maybe 10, 12 years. He just, you know, he's very calm and he, he just goes out there and he attacks with his off speed. And that's something that I, I would like to get to at some point. Maybe not as much as he does it, but, you know, just being able to be that confident in my other pitches. And, uh, you know, he, he does it really good. Hunter, because of the oddities of this season, stopping and starting and kind of the lack of innings, do you have a a specific plan from the organization when the off season begins to maybe keep throwing a little, or are you totally shutting it down until the spring? Uh, I don't even know yet. Uh, we hadn't really uh, talked talks about it yet. We'll see. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I would assume that we're going to kind of treat it almost like a normal season, kind of shut down for a few weeks and then just pick back up and 
you know, be ready to go for spring training, but um, I'm not sure yet. You know, we hadn't really talked about it. I wanted to ask you about your dad and your brother. Your dad had a decorated major league career. Your brother played professional baseball. When you were growing up, how many of the dinner table conversations centered around pitching? Uh, almost all of them, to be honest with you. Um, I know my brother had me swinging a bat when I was two or three years old, so he put it in my hands pretty early, and it just kind of went from there. Um, even to this day, I mean, I, I I don't know that we other than talking about deer hunting. I mean, it's it's baseball and deer hunting every night. There, we don't really talk about anything else. So it's it's kind of crazy. Dad still every night he's calling me multiple times a day talking about baseball. I mean, it's it never stops. Well, what's the best piece of advice when it comes to towing that rubber you've gotten from your dad, maybe pitching in a high leverage situation? Uh, relax, you know, really don't let the moment get too big. Um, you know, he was pretty good at it in his day. And I think he he still gets nervous when I get on that mound, but, uh, you know, he's pretty good at, you know, talking me through stuff. He, his eye just for the game is crazy. Um, you know, I've had a couple I had one rough. I know I had one rough outing in New York, and he he called me right after the game, and he right away he already knew what I was doing wrong, and you know we worked on it. And the next outing, I, my velo was back up. Now I was like, I just don't, I don't understand how you can see stuff that fast. But his his eye for the game and just being able to then to fix me right away has just been so helpful. It's huge. Relievers have to have really short memories. How short is yours? Yep. Like when when you have a bad outing, how long does it take to flush it? Uh, it's gone. As soon as I walk off that field, it's gone. I don't even think about it anymore. Um, that's been one thing that I've, I'm kind of, kind of happy with with going to the bullpen. I know when I started, I swear when I started, it was, I'd have one of those bad outings. Like you got, you got five days to think about this thing before you got a chance to get back on the mound. And now it's, you know, you might be available the next day. So you better get that crap out of your head and get ready. So, you know, you don't really have time to, worry about what happened that day you just got to move on and hopefully the next game you give it to them so hunter obviously you've had to deal with a lot of injuries in your career still a young guy entering your prime years we all hope and i think fans look at it and they say you know poor me or the organization says poor them uh but for you how frustrating was it to uh to, to have those injuries and to deal with it throughout the beginning part of your career yeah, it was uh, it was tough. You know, I got to obviously play in 2014. That for, I mean, I got shut down the last month. But, I mean, you know, you get your feet wet, you're excited, everything's going good. And then the next four years, you combine for 18 innings. And uh, two surgeries later, I mean, it, there was a few times I knew towards – kind of getting towards the end of all that, I'd, I'd, talk, I'd call dad all the time. I was like, dude, I, just, I wouldn't want to do this anymore. Like I don't want to, I don't want to rehab. Like I don't even want to be here. Like I'd rather, literally, rather come home. And you know, he just kind of kept me in it most of the time. And it, I mean, it was, it was tough mentally. Uh, it really, it really tested me. And I think that's kind of, it helped me grow, kind of, to get to where I am today. And I think that's why it's a lot easier for me to shake some of these bad outings. And you know, if stuff ain't going good, it's, it's pretty easy to get over it because I know it could be. I mean, it could be way worse. I mean, you could be sitting somewhere not pitching right now. So. It's uh, it's it, it was tough though. Hunter, I heard that when you were doing your rehab, Brandon Klein was doing kind of the same thing. He battled a number of injuries while he was down there in, yeah. in Sarasota, and you guys were together. How much 
of a resource were you for each other to kind of help you through the process and to keep each other going? Oh, it was huge. Just having a guy, especially like Klein, he's just an awesome, he's an awesome friend. He's, you know, I live, we lived together down there for maybe three years. So uh, just having him there kind of in the same situation, just being able to talk stuff over and, you know, talk about how we're feeling and just kind of get some of that stuff out. I mean, it, it helped a lot. Um, it was kind of having somebody there with you to, to go through it. So it helped out a lot. It was huge. And, you know, I hated that he was there in that same situation as me, but, you know, at the same time, and, uh, you know, I was kind of, it, it worked out good and I was glad to, glad to have him. All right, Hunter. Now we go into our fun five questions. First thing that comes to mind on all five of these questions. And uh, you, you let us know uh, the answer uh, if you, if you have a, a good one. All right. What is uh, your favorite baseball movie? Probably Major League. Okay. What was your high school senior year batting average? I think 515, 5'10". How many homers? I only hit three homers. I wasn't a homer guy. I just got on base. 515 is not bad. Uh, what was your favorite minor league city to play in, whether you were on that team or just visiting? Um... Probably Charlotte, actually, last year. Charlotte Stadium was unbelievable. I think we've gotten a few Charlottes now. Uh, yeah. What, what, do you have any superstitions as a baseball player? Um, I don't have many. Uh, I wouldn't think I really have any. Nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, I kind of just do the same thing every day. I feel like I have to get in the hot tub. But if I don't get in the hot tub, I feel like I'm not going to be able to throw that night. So, that's kind of mine. Okay. That's a good one. And then I think we already know the answer to this one, but who's the most influential baseball person in your life? Uh, my dad, for sure. Well, it's not even close. Hunter, I, I want to end with one last one. Take us through right. what happened in the uh, Delmarva uh, locker room and how you got the mullet that you did and, and how you've decided to keep it since. Take us through kind of the genesis of how this mullet got started. <laughs> I can't even remember the exact details of why we wanted to do it. But I remember they always called me redneck. They always called me all that stuff when we were down there, especially with those guys. And uh, I remember we were talking about it one day. I do remember talking about I should get a mullet one day. And Kent just happened to be there, and he said, I'll cut it. I said, all right. Well, we were thinking about it. Well, we had – our farm director was coming in that day also, Brian Graham. So we were a little nervous about how he was going to react to it. And so we did it anyways and Kemp cut it in. And it was, I mean, there wasn't nothing straight about that haircut. It was stuff going everywhere. He missed all that. I mean, it was, it was the worst haircut I ever had, without a doubt. And then uh, Brian Graham got there and he's seen it and he, he just started laughing. I don't think he could. I think he was kind of just in disbelief. But uh, it was. It was the worst thing I've ever had on my head, but it was it was fun, and I I wore it for a few months, so it it, it was good. So, so, what is the typical grooming like for for the mullet right now? How how does it work, and how much are you going to be taking off when you get home? Uh, it don't take a whole lot right now. Uh, just get some <laughs> water on it and brush it out, and now when we get home, I'm definitely going to have to get some of this trimmed off. It's getting it's getting way too wild for me. Uh, it's just, especially with hunting season come up, I'm going to tame it a little bit and then hopefully have it good to go for spring training. But, you know, it works out good. My One of my good friends is a uh, barber back home. So 
he keeps me uh he keeps me looking good. Yeah, as long as you have it in Sarasota and opening day in Baltimore next year, we're okay with it. But whatever you do between oh, yeah. the end of this season and then, that's your business, Hunter. The rest is is everyone else's in, in Baltimore's business. Hunter Harvey, we appreciate so much. That was a lot of fun. Yep. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Time now for our insider segment. Kevin Brown is with us. And, Kevin, I want to start with the really infusion of young Orioles starting pitchers, prospects who have risen through the ranks and have made their debuts in just the last few weeks. And, and for the most part, more than handle their own, Aiken, Kramer, and then we got a chance to see Bruce Zimmerman. And hopefully we get to see these guys the rest of the way. But what's your big takeaway? Uh, if there is any commonality between the three, but what's your impression of those three guys? I mean, I think the impression has to be hugely positive. It wasn't a great first start for Bruce Zimmerman, obviously, but I was reminded last night that, oh, yeah, you know, not every baseball player comes up to the major leagues and is lights out right away the way that Dean Kramer has been in his first three starts. And it took Keegan Aiken a couple of relief outings, but in his first two starts and three out of the first four, he's been outstanding. So it, it's just, as a commonality, there's a, there's a thrill. There's a feeling of energy and excitement and, you know, an uplift to this team. Because really, for the first, let's say, 35 games or so, this team was uplifted by its young offensive players, particularly by Anthony Santander. You know, early on in the season, Rio Ruiz, and as the year went on, a little bit more from Cedric Mullins and... Then you have had the resurgence of DJ Stewart or maybe the surgence of DJ Stewart. I'm not even sure if you could say resurgence because he's never done anything like this in the big leagues. But to now add the starting pitching component to this is really exciting. I think back to last year and the Orioles tried so many different pitchers last season. Obviously, it was a season where you know the team suffered in the home run category, giving up a historic number of home runs. And they trotted out one reliever and one starter after another, and they really had trouble finding consistency. And you heard about guys like Aiken and Kramer, but they were still a little while away. And now you still have pitchers who are a ways away, the D.L. Halls and the Grayson Rodriguez's of the world, sure, but nobody's really clamoring for them because of Aiken and because of Kramer, and now Bruce Zimmerman's up. And it's just exciting to see potential pieces of the future here. Now, we don't know if this is the future of the Orioles rotation, obviously. We don't know what it's going to look like in five years. We don't know what it's going to look like next year. But we know that these are players who are going to be major contenders for rotation spot in spring 2021 and are going to be a little bit more of a sure thing. And to have that here, you know, to have it be a little bit more about uh, the starting pitching than just the offense and some good arms in the bullpen now to start to round out what the organization is doing, uh, I've just been thrilled by it. AB, what do you make of the future of the Orioles outfield? Because there are a lot of pieces, and there's also using the LDS down at the alternate site, but there are only so many spots. Well, we've seen the Rays go with a four-man outfield uh, so far in the series, and maybe that's what the Orioles are going to have to do in the future. It's a good question. I, I think the favorites right now for a spot into next year, I, I would have to say are Ryan Mountcastle because he has hit everything. Austin Hayes and Anthony Santander. 
And that would leave out DJ Stewart, who has the most barrels in the American League in the month of September. And that would leave out Cedric Mullins, who has the most bunt hits in baseball and has been the best defensive outfielder of anybody on this team. And probably among you know, the top one or two percent of defensive outfielders in the league. And that leaves out, as you said, Yusniel Diaz, who is at the alternate side. Uh, Ryan McKenna, who's in the alternate site, who's on the 40-man roster. So this is now a great problem to have for the Orioles. And this, by the way, is all assuming that when Trey Mancini returns, assuming he will return with a clean bill of health next year, he would go to first base, which is not necessarily the case since he played right field mainly last year. And Ryan Mountcastle has played some first base this year too. So, I mean, what I make of it is it's exciting. It's, it's exciting that a position that looked a couple of years ago like a position of weakness is now a position of immense strength. We've forgotten, a lot of us, how Anthony Santander was one of the extra base hit leaders in the league, and in fact still is, even though he hasn't played in a couple of weeks, because DJ Stewart has picked up so admirably and right. Austin Hayes was lost for a month, and we didn't hear about him that much because Cedric Mullins stepped in offensively and defensively and was phenomenal. And Ryan Mountcastle has kind of shut down what was a revolving door and left. So uh, I'm thrilled by it. I think it's going to be a pretty fascinating challenge for Brandon Hyde next spring. And as always, projecting forward, you never know what could happen, right? Somebody could get traded. Two guys could, could get hurt. I mean, any number of things could happen. But all of a sudden, um, it feels like a real surplus. And I think a couple of years ago, when Mountcastle was still some, some ways away and playing third base and you know, DJ Stewart was unproven at this level and Santander was just kind of a guy who was a rule five pick who might bounce back and forth. You know, you, you would not have thought that, but to have the outfield um, turn into, you know, the crowded position that it is, I think is maybe the most exciting development of the season. Going to Mountcastle, he seems to have a knack for getting an RBI 21 already in his first 89 at bats. Uh, now spanning uh, really just 26 games among the all-time Oriole leaders for rookies for that many RBIs in the first 26 games. Uh, what's been your big takeaway of Ryan at the plate? He's been so impressive. Yeah, my big takeaway is that he always seems to have a plan. You know, yesterday he had RBIs on two swings. And I should say yesterday we're recording this on, on Friday after the doubleheader Thursday. He had an RBI in the sixth inning to tie the game in game one and then an RBI, I believe, in the third inning on a double in game two. And uh, those were both first-pitch attacks. So he's ready immediately. You know, he does not let the first pitch go by if it's a good hittable pitch. Uh, and if it's not, he will work a count. He'll wait for a particular pitch. We heard so much about his plate discipline and his lack thereof, and he only walked 20 times and this and that. And all that stuff is relevant and true. I mean, the numbers – don't lie. He did not walk much at all last year in, in AAA. But he seems to have really improved that tool. And I don't know if he'll ever be, you know, a, a 60, 70 walk guy over the course of a regular season. But maybe he could get there. And, and even if he's not, you know, his aggressiveness mixed with a little bit more discipline than we were basically uh, given reason to believe. I think that's a really lethal combination you know a lot has been made about his success on breaking balls and sometimes that's early in the count and sometimes that's late in the count but 
he seems like somebody who really does put in the work, who really does study pitchers. And again, we're not, you know, down there in the clubhouse seeing what he's doing, but I just love his approach. And, and it feels like he has a specific approach to every pitcher and to every at-bat. And I think for somebody as young as he is, still only 23, even though we've talked about him for years, that is the thing that impresses me the most. How about what impresses you the most about Cesar Valdez? And because there, there's so many things to me that stand out about him that have been so much fun to watch, but what have you enjoyed watching the most about Valdez? I mean, he, he may genuinely be the most fun guy to watch on this team. And, and that's such a crazy thing to say about a 35 year old with 27 games of major league experience who basically only throws changeups. I, I just don't think I've ever seen a changeup move like this, guys. I don't know. Maybe I'm forgetting something, but I mean, the pitch has legitimately 50 inches of, of vertical drop. 50. 5-0. That's, that's absolutely ludicrous. That, just for comparison for folks who, who, who aren't in tune with you know, vertical inches of drop, and, and frankly, how could you be? But um, <laughs> that's about eight and a half inches of drop more than the average changeup. So the ball sinks like a stone. And, it, you know, it kind of reminds me of a knuckleball pitcher. I'm not, not the first to say this, but I, I think about somebody who throws one pitch about 80, 85% of the time, and it's 76 miles per hour. And it moves like crazy. I mean, that's basically how you describe a, a knuckleballer. And when you see players like Marcelo Zuna, who is among the major league's best hitters this year, you're basically just laughing after swinging and missing. Um, it's like, how can you not have fun watching this guy? He works quickly. He messes around with timing. He messes around with arm angles. It's, it's an amazing story. And, you know, the, I wish the Orioles were in the, postseason race a little more obviously because we want to be part of, of winning baseball that's not to take anything away from this team at all but like can you imagine Cesar Valdez in the playoffs can you imagine Cesar Valdez on the national stage so he would be freaking out baseball Twitter I, I mean it would be uh, I, like I said this on Twitter the other day he, he was made for the pitching ninja account with his change <laughs> uh, the, the guy is a freak of nature I don't know how he gets that change up to do what it does and there have been so few good swings against him now maybe the league will figure him out maybe eventually with a full off season if he's back in the Orioles bullpen next year maybe the league will have enough video on him and be able to wait it out but I, I, I'm not sure I, I mean there are a lot of great knuckleball pitchers that, that guys could never figure out and I wonder if he'll just be one of those pitchers that that uh, the league will never figure out. I mean, he's 35 years old. Who knows how long he can pitch? Honestly, he's 35 years old. He, he doesn't rely on his fastball hardly ever. So when you've got to change up with, with 50 inches of vertical drop, and that's pretty much all you throw, I mean, maybe he could have a long big league career starting at age 35. It's, it feels like anything is possible with this guy who was on nobody's radar, and there was really no reason for him to be on anyone's radar. It's, uh, it's been just a, an absolute delight to watch in the way that like only weird baseball players can uh, provide. There's just, there's no comparison to anything like this in any other sport. You're not going to have a quarterback who throws the ball 
<laughs> you know, only 12 yards and manages to, to lead to 40 points a game. Like th this is just one of those baseball oddities that is so specific to this sport that I just love to watch so much. Great story. And it's been really enjoyable to watch uh, the artisan pitching of Cesar Valdez. Kevin Brown, thank you so much for the insider segment. Thank you guys. That's Kevin Brown talking about some of the cool stories this year for the Baltimore Orioles. Cesar Valdez is certainly one of them. And Jeff, as this one uh, drops, this podcast, Inside the Yard, this edition we're on right now, uh, we begin really uh, the final journey of the regular season, a regular season that will live forever in baseball lore for its peculiarities and its oddities, uh, one that's been utterly fascinating to be a part of for both of us, uh, extremely interesting uh, to be a part of it, but also our first year with the ball club. So uh, something that I'm sure we'll uh, take mental note of and, and take it with us for the rest of our careers. And it's been fun, though, I, I will say. We're not ready to say goodbye quite yet. And, and obviously, we're not really going anywhere. But uh, it's been an interesting journey this year. I agree with you completely, Brett. I was really excited when I got the opportunity to join the organization. And now with what this kind of year has been and some of the exciting moments, there have been so many good ones. There have been so many – games where the Orioles have been right there there haven't been that many blowouts there have been countless one-run games there have been countless games that have been tight where players have been put into situations where maybe they have not been placed before in big league games and to see them learn from games where they maybe haven't done quite as well and then come back and excel the next time excelled the first time guys being put in opportunities to grow and learn and develop and improve and bust out in some cases, like we've seen with guys like DJ Stewart and Anthony Santander splashing on the scene and Ryan Mountcastle doing what everybody thought he was going to do when he got to the major leagues. And Cesar Valdez, a 35-year-old journeyman who had seven years between one major league stint and three years between another come up and show that he's probably going to be part of the team in 2021 and could have a very long career pitching in the major leagues, as Kevin Brown pointed out in our insider segment. There's really not a, a, a whole – it's so hard to encapsulate just everything that we have seen in the 2020 season, but we're all really excited about what is coming up and looking forward to, I think, a lot of these uh, similarly successful development stories over the next couple of years. And, hey, we got a big final week of baseball in the regular season to go. These are all really meaningful games for the Orioles in so many ways. And, Jeff, uh, starting on Tuesday, we'll be doing radio uh, to finish out the regular season together across the Orioles radio network. But a lot of fun today with Hunter Harvey and with Kevin Brown. And by the way, we don't want to spill the beans quite yet, but for our final shows of this regular season, we have some huge guests coming up. And we're on such a hot guest run right now. We'll ride this thing out. So for Jeff Arnold, I'm Brett Hollander. Thank you so much for being with us. Enjoy the baseball, everyone, and be safe. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 